Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, welcome to Wood Talk, everybody. It's show number 497. On today's show, we're talking about table saw extension wings, what you get when you pay more for a random orbit sander, wet wood, identifying wood, and material for a new bench top. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. We have a pretty cool announcement for you. Actually, we had the announcement last time. Same announcement as the last show, but it's still cool. Rockler's giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away one of their great new portable drill guides with a self-centering vise. This guide has the precision of a drill press and the portability of a cordless drill. And, you know, what's the use case for this? I've been thinking about this because I have a drill press. But when you want to be in the middle of something, like a really big something, and you got to get a hole in the middle, can't do that on a drill press. You need this portable drill guide. So you guys are going to want to enter for a chance to win this thing because it's incredibly handy to have. Uh, enter by March 1st. Go to rockler.com slash woodtalk, and that's where you can enter. Um, there's also the Founders Day sale going on right now, so be sure to check that out too. Buy some stuff. Get some stuff, yo. Get it. Like a big drill press. And, and portable drill guide why not it's for all situations you know bring them all let's gotta, do it gotta keep it all covered right all right if you want to help support the show the silly thing we do you can do so absolutely you can mm-hmm. you can go to patreon.com slash wood talk and sign up to become a patron of the show this show we're thanking tim boyle and brian brazil oh yeah they're glad they helped or brazel there you go that's a good one for you brazel brazel <laughs> a good mispronunciation sure i feel like i feel bad if i like say the names like correctly enough yeah i think people are it's kind of your thing so they're expecting to hear their name mispronounced right I'm gonna start getting hate mail he pronounced it properly i want a do-over <laughs> put me in again <laughs> one more try i know i could do it wrong someone's uh, gonna that- start doing that now they're gonna like send like a slight like weird spelling to mark 
put in. Yeah. That's I'm actually a difference. That People should be a different sponsorship level. That's a different <laughs> Patreon level. You know, one dollar yeah, we say you your go. name on the show. Two dollars we say it improperly on the show. That's good. Yeah. Three dollars we say it, it indecently. All right. Well, let's get to uh, what's on the bench. And I am embarking on a bent lamination. One of my favorite things to do. Uh, so we have a lot of quilts. We've got a lot of blankets. Nicole likes to quilt. So in addition to her, what can only be described as a blanket fetish, she <laughs> is adding lots of other quilts to the mix. Oh boy. They're all over the house, guys. They're everywhere and we need places to put them. So we, a quilt, we might have different definitions of fetish. Sure. <laughs> possibly. Yours is uh, internet based. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, anyway. you know. <laughs> it's just let me she's been quilting for a while did she develop a blanket fetish while in arizona because that's really weird i think she's always just like the idea of blankets you know she grew up in missouri it gets cold there and mm. she also is like a she's a cold sleeper yeah she she needs like 16 blankets on top of her and i need a sheet so <laughs> i don't know she's Perfect. always cold yeah, it works out great. Um, so there's lots of quilts, <laughs> lots of blankets that we need to hang. And I decided to do a quilt rack. We had just recently built a, a quilt blanket ladder that holds four or five. And uh, I wanted to do something. It was like, OK, let's let's see if we can do a fancy take on this. So it's going to be bent lamination. Kind of think of like half a wishbone shape. Right. So it goes against the wall and kind of bubbles out like that. Uh, so I'm doing uh, working on that. And uh, sawing up a bunch of thin pieces of uh, material, I'm using Unibon One as the adhesive. Um, going through that whole mental anguish that I do, you know, with health concerns about using like really dangerous urea formaldehyde glues, which I know work way better and are better for this purpose, uh, but not wanting to deal with that stuff and, and kicking up that material uh, when I when I sand and, and making that kind of dust in the shop. So I'm using Unibon One. Uh, and just hoping I don't have a lot of spring back on these pieces, but I'll be doing a, a little bent lamination with a bending form inside my vacuum press, which I actually, believe it or not, I've only used my vacuum press for veneering projects. Uh, this will be the first time I'm trying a, uh, a press on a bent lamination. So we'll see how it goes. Nice. Really? Yeah. Never done it before. I could say the same thing. I've only done it to press veneer. Never done it. Yeah. I mean, I, I come from the David Marks school of woodworking where yeah. You build two massive MDF forms <laughs> right. and clamp and them the together. <laughs> yeah, I've done the same thing. Never quite on a large scale, only in small pieces. But yeah, I was. Then you got to get your MDF and your cork and your packing tape to line it That's all. It. Heck, heck it's yeah. a whole. It's a scene, yeah. baby. Um, we grew up on woodworks. <laughs> the funny thing about that, though, he had a vacuum veneer press and he used it all the time. So it wasn't like, oh, we don't want to show this. He just didn't ever really do a bent lamination. Um, under vacuum pressure. I mean, maybe, maybe he did, and I'm just not remembering, but most of the time it was always a, a double form. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy, huh? All I can say though, the thing that keeps running through my head is <clears throat> about this blanket chest is I don't have a blanket, let alone many to necessitate a <laughs> rack. <laughs> what am I going to do with a quilt rack? That is not the problem in our house though. We have too many and not enough quilt racks to hang them on. You should think about a blanket chest. Yeah. Got one of those already. I feel like you might maybe do a little green and green something. This, yeah. There might be something there. It's a good idea. Uh, those are already filled with sheets. <laughs> for the bed. I think uh, I think you need a high boy for your sheets. And okay, there you go. Blanket chest for blankets. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. have a giant um, piece of furniture that I bought from Wayfair 
which is just a piece of garbage on legs <laughs> uh-huh. that I could probably replace with something with more storage. So maybe we'll see maybe in the future. I would, you know, I, to, I would love to see your modern take on a high boy. Oh God. I'm not, I'm not sure where to go with that. I think that's exactly why I would love to see it. <laughs> but like as a, as a joke, because you think I'd, I'd do a really bad job. No, or? I think it'd be interesting to see, like take that concept. I mean, I would, I would assume it would look nothing like, a traditional high boy. Yeah, it would look like a square on top of a square. That's what a high boy is, though. Sure. But just with curvy bits. But it would be more to true it. to a square. <laughs> <laughs> Add a couple of curvy bits and uh, there. It's a spag piece. I mean, piece. just put some cloud lifts on it. Do little ebony plugs and just, I don't know. I, I don't want to impede your design process, but this yeah, is don't, my challenge for you. Yeah, don't get in the way of this uh, mastermind <laughs> design that I have going on in this <laughs> noggin of mine. I'll have to think about that the next time I feel like doing a whole bunch of drawers, which is never. I don't know. I just, I don't know why, but it's just interesting to me to like think of the design challenge of like, I don't. I, I want to say modernizing it. Yeah, but, but I don't know. Like an it's, iconic form, like remaking an iconic form without like ruining it. It's maybe not even the form. It's just drawers <laughs> on drawers. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that just at some point become a modified armoire? Well, armoires have doors. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like a linen press drawers behind doors. There you go. I guess that. Okay. Is. See, okay. and then you okay. put your linens in that, and your blankets back in the blanket chest. You're good to go. Boom, baby. You need a linen press. <laughs> Life is good as long as there's plenty of LED lights inside each cubby. You'll be good to go. Oh, that's sure kind of my new thing. That's that your new signature. It's good. Yeah, I'm all everywhere. about that LED. Give me more lights. I want it all. It's the new epoxy pour. LED lights, oh. baby. <laughs> Look, I just do it for the YouTubes, okay? Yeah. Mark's finally gone mainstream. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Something like that. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt. What do you got going on? I don't know what I write down here. Uh, Something about benches. Oh, I shipped my workbench kit. Some of them. I'm getting into that now. Oh, good. That's, all, that's about it. I don't know. More of that. What you want to talk about with that. But, you know, they're, they're on their way to become actual workbenches now. Which, uh... I will say I'm very excited to see these things turned into like actual, not just piece of wood, like into actual functional things mm-hmm. and just kind of seeing the full circle of things. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So I was going to your website cause I was going to go and look and see if you had like a gallery. Cause that would be my, su- my suggestion is you should definitely get pictures from all these people. Oh, definitely. So that you can um, have a nice little gallery, but like, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm typing instinctively and I'm trying to go to your website. And do you know what I typed in? Butts. No, close. I typed in Matt's Basement Workshop. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How weird is that? That's <laughs> awesome. No, that's just great. instinctively, I'm type, I'm typing away, and I, I had Matt's bait. I was like, whoa, that's not where I meant to go. Um, uh, let me go to MattCommer.com. I, I had to do more shows. Man, Vanderlis is living rent-free inside my brain. I haven't <laughs> been here long enough yet, apparently. Apparently not. So, okay, so when I go to workbench kits... That would be cool if you like insert some kind of gallery there when people show off what they actually oh, made with yeah. these things. That'd be I'm, great. I cannot wait to see these things. Yeah, that's awesome. You need a you need a whole review section so people can put, you know, works as advertised. Or yeah, they could do wood. things like it's wood. <laughs> it's wood. I wood big. And I got wood. <laughs> it was mailed to me. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you go from the, the Rockler school of reviewing. It'd be great. Okay. Shannon, I think you're up. 
Oh, right. Okay. Um, I, um, I I talked about I was building this tray off a fine woodworking plan um, in a recent episode because I was talking about how all the dimensions were weird. Um, mm-hmm. I have just finished that up. And yeah, surprise, surprise. I just threw all the dimensions out the window and, and it somehow came together. It, it actually came out square. It worked and it looks still the same. So there's the proof in the pudding. But the big issue is, is I decided I've had this can of Osmo Poly X floating around because that was like the finish du jour. Everybody was using it. I figure I should get it, try it and use it. And I got to say, I have been so spoiled with water-based finishes and shellac. Like this drying time crap is ridiculous for oil-based. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I put it on, I, I did put the first coat on uh, like at night, knowing full well, I'll get back to it tomorrow. And granted, it's it's colder in my shop. I mean, we we had a nor'easter. It's been snowy. It's not it's not Matt cold. It's not Minnesota cold, but it's, you know, 20, 20 degrees cold, you know, lots of snow. Um, And I I have a space heater running in here. But when it gets that cold, the space heater kind of the temperature, instead of being about 65, it falls down to like 60. Well, that was definitely cold enough for this to be this just huge lump of wax right in the middle of oil. It was very attractive looking. So, you know, I put it in a glue pot and heated the whole thing up. And but still that temperature being just a couple degrees lower than like 65 has really slowed down the drying time for a minute. Like I was worried that like I, I it was bad finish or well, I hadn't recoated yet. But, you know, when you recoat too quickly, you get that tackiness that lasts for like 17 months. Um, this stuff just would not dry. I mean, it was like 24 hours uh, between coats. And I read the read the the side of the can. And the can said, you know, eight to twelve hours before recoating. I was like, yeah, that that makes sense. But man, I just and it probably wasn't twenty four hours. It's just me exaggerating. But it's like you come down to the shop, you're ready to apply another coat, and it's still slightly tacky. I'm like, this sucks. I'm so used to come back an hour later and reapply a coat. Come back twenty minutes later with shellac and apply a coat, or it's like drying as I'm still patting shellac on. I got a stock. I'm going to ruin it it dries that fast i've just gotten really spoiled and i'm just questioning like does oil really do that much for me some of the water-based finishes out there are so good like why am i even bothering anymore yeah i mean i could see that um but there's also the argument that says with most of these finishes you're looking at one coat maybe two whereas with you know some of the film forming finishes you're probably in i don't know what you're doing but usually two to to four coats yeah sometimes six so, I mean, if, if, you know, if you're, especially if you take like Rubio Monocoat at its word and only do one coat, um, you're coating and then it's literally dry to the touch. It's not cured, but it is dry to the touch. You can handle it immediately after applying. And, uh, certainly by the next day, you could take that thing and put it inside the house if you don't mind the smell too much and then it's done. So, yeah, I mean, there could be some extra dry time or cure time involved there, but, um, you can bring it in the house probably faster than you would with, um, you know, some kind of a film forming finish with shellac wow. or water-based. And I guess Rubio will be my next, my next choice, but this, uh, I mean, the Osmo stuff looks great. Don't get me wrong. It's got a really nice look to it, but man, it was just so slow. And I just have realized how much I've fallen down the water-based rabbit hole. I didn't, I didn't paint you as an impatient person. He wants well, it now. I mean, some of it is, it, some of it's my own, fault where you've got a production schedule and because when you finish like my shop is too small to do anything else slightest bit of dust i create so the shop is like off limits while something is drying and 
And, uh, you know, it also has enough of a smell, you know, it's not nearly low VOC, like some of the water-based things. So moving into the house is not really an option and it's too cold to move it out into the driveway. So, uh, you know, it just basically meant I can't do anything. Like last night I actually cracked open a Lego kit. I was like, I can't do anything. Like I need to work in my shop. I need to do this filming. Oh, well, I'll just go do these Legos instead. So I, maybe that was a blessing in disguise. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't want to force you down the hard wax oil train if, if you're not into it. But I do think you probably, from what you're describing, would enjoy Rubio more. Um, again, because it is dried to the touch, once you do that like final buff out on it, you can get mm-hmm. dust on it. It'll it'll just come off the next day. It's not gonna like go into there's no finish for it to kind of seep into and stick into. Right. Um and I think you you're applying it thinner. A lot of times the Osmo you leave or the yeah, Osmo um Pollux you put more on the surface and you have actually, it seems it's not really a film, but there's more material on the surface for stuff to settle into. takes longer to dry. Um, I definitely think you're going to be a, a candidate for, um, for Rubio. I would try that. That doesn't work. Time. I'm going UV finish. Do it, man. UV light and just <laughs> none of this waiting around stuff. Just <laughs> done moving on. Put that would be kind dance of music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, do the, uh, all those, um, Hue lights that you have, they have a, a UV setting. Well, they, they do go up to 7,500, 7,500K. So yeah, yeah that'd be good. That's pretty blue. Yeah, very nice. Well, cool. That sounds like a, sounds like a real good time. All right. So <laughs> wow. I didn't mean that to sound wow. so dismissive. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Great. Good times. Good times. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Rockler, right now. They want you to let you know something about... Uh, this hardwood forestry fund donation that they participated in. Rockler is proud to announce that they've donated $50,000 to the hardwood forestry fund to support uh, the 2021 tree planting projects across the country. The contribution to HFF continues Rockler's commitment to supporting the nonprofit organization, which is dedicated to establishing sustainable hardwood forests. The hardwood forestry fund is working to ensure future generations of woodworkers and furniture makers have access to renewable hardwood lumber resources. Since 2008, Rockler has donated more than $100,000 to HFF to fund tens of thousands of tree plantings across the country. Rockler's donations to HFF have helped to fund re, re I almost said deforestation. Yikes. <laughs> That's the wrong word. Reforestation projects in Illinois, That's Indiana, in Iowa, Minnesota, now. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, Wisconsin, and more. Of course, if you want to support a great company that does great things like this, head over to rockler.com and buy something, okay? <laughs> it's pretty good, anything. right? Buy something, anything. You, you can tell which part Mark added on to that. Anything at all. The end. Uh, not, yeah, not seriously. To, Rockler, not to drag that out too much, but the Hardwood Forestry Fund is one of the good eggs. Um, there are a lot of these funds out there that, you know, you pay a certain amount of money and you plant a tree. Generally, those are planting trees on like pulp plantations. Like you're planting a tree that's meant to be taken down a year from now. Um, oh, okay. And it's usually basically you're just, you know, international paper company. You're just paying for the raw materials. Like, okay, mm-hmm. here's a dollar IP, you know, now make paper out of it. That's that's one of the more devious ones that I've seen. Um, but like, for instance, I remember I, way back in college, I worked at Eddie Bauer for a while and it was like, add a dollar to your sale and plant a tree. And I looked into it a little bit more because the manager was like, we should talk about this more. And so I looked into it. I was like, yeah, basically you're adding a dollar and they're planting like something that's meant to be cut down in a year to make paper. You know, granted, oh, we got to have paper. This is important, but sure. essentially 
you are essentially providing raw materials to this company for free and they're profiting madly off of it. So HFF, actually, they are not planting from the perspective of, okay, we're going to rebuild the forest and this is no touch. They're actually planting with the intention that this will be lumber producing forests. So Mm -hmm. they're managing from a civil cultural perspective, like, so it's funny you say deforestation, 30, 40 years. Yes, it will be. It is fully designed to be cut down and turned into boards. For that purpose. (laughs) Right. But it's also being managed over the next four or five decades, depending on what product they're looking to make. um, Yeah. To make lumber. And that's really the, the, at its heart, what sustainable forestry is. So my little lumber industry update on here is this is the, you know, of course it's Rockler and we say good things about Rockler, but they've chosen a really good company or good charity organization, nonprofit uh, to support their good egg. Excellent. That's good to hear. Thanks for that, Shannon. All right, let's get to our emails and voicemails today. Uh, Shannon, why don't you take this first little kickback? Cause the first two things kind of are related to one another. Sure. Derek emailed us and said, I randomly found your show a couple months ago after I got a new job delivering to grocery stores. Relevant. Thanks. I was a theater carpenter for a couple of years. So I have somewhat of an idea what you were talking about at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning, but with all the crazy <laughs> going on, I started at episode one now on to one eighty six. You three have truly helped with my mental health when I just need to disconnect. I go back and listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> I go back and listen to you in 2014. Uh, I just wanted to send you, I go back and listen to you back into, I don't, okay, sure. I just wanted to send you a truly heartfelt thank you for helping me through this crap. I now found myself yelling at the radio, Polly or Jack Plane. But truthfully, <laughs> I'm a knitter and it made three scarves and a cardigan while listening to your show. Ooh, <laughs> can you do that? Are you allowed to knit while listening to Wood Talk? Oh, I don't know. This is this is bad things. It's like crossing the streams. That's All subversive. The That's a big Twinkie. So wait, when did Matt come on the show? What episode do we know? I mean, he's been here Matt, a while now. Matt usually remembers. Yeah, it was 2016. So I don't know. All right. So he may not know that Matt Cremona exists yet. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Huh? I don't exist. No. Matt hasn't been born yet. If nope. He's on 186. Matt may, no, may not like, exist yet. I think it was 300 something, maybe. Jeez. Yeah. That's I'm always right? interested, though, when someone is introduced to the show this way, do they ever skip to the current ones and like concurrently listen to new shows as well as the old ones? Or is it simply follow it through the archive and I'll get there when I get uh, like that uh, Matt guy sounds kind of different that's, now. I was going to say, that's really confusing when, when we replaced Matt with Matt, you know, and they're like, yeah, man, I don't hear that anymore. <laughs> Vanderless has really changed. He just sounds so much younger. <laughs> so different. Got into logs and everything. Wow, he just had a third kid. Like he already had two. Wow. Yeah. None of this <laughs> right. makes sense. Got a new wife. It's a whole thing. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. So then we actually got family and his Michigan family. We actually got a question from Eric, and this is kind of dealing with the archive uh, of shows that we have. He says, I have two questions for you. I'm listening back through your episodes, episodes, newest to oldest, which is actually the question I just had. Excuse me. He says, I know that as I grow as a woodworker, my methods of doing things change pretty often. So my first question is this. Is it worth listening all the way back to episode one or am I bound? I'm sorry. I'm stifling a burp. Hold on. Uh, Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to hold it in, but I can't, I can't continue to just talk with it, it out, in there. Mark. Wow. Just let just, it out. Ah, I'm working on it. You held on to it. That so, came up as a verb. Is it worth listening all the way back to episode one? Or am I bound to end up with a couple of pieces of bad advice from things y'all have done 
uh, years ago that you later found to be folly? Or has your woodworking remained in perfection? Any tips for those of us who are braving the 400-some episodes? <laughs> Secondly, a more simple question as I look for fun and unique projects in the shop that I can uh, maybe one day do with my young uh, have any of you ever attempted to make a wooden longbow? If so, any tips or tricks for building one? It may only be a year old now, but by the time this gets or by the time this gets <laughs> on, um, I, OK, I'm having trouble reading this, but I'm saying by the time he gets to this episode, he'll be uh, age appropriate <laughs> at that time. All right. So we'll get to the longbow thing in a second. I don't have a suggestion for that. Uh, as far as the archive goes, we've heard from a lot of people who do this. They go back. They listen to all the episodes. Uh, I think if you've listened to the episodes you know, that far into it already, you should probably know that we're anything but perfect and that we make lots of mistakes and probably change our minds on lots of things because we're human. And, uh, and that's what we do. I, I absolutely feel like if you are interested in the people on the show, not just the information, it's totally worth your while uh, to go back and listen to the old shows. It's funny and weird to hear the evolution of the show, how each uh, host and co-host has been brought into the fold and, evolved in their personality on the show as well. I think there's a lot of value in that, but I think you got to like what you're listening to. Are you entertained by it? Keep listening. But I, I don't think you're going to find anything that's just like absolutely blatantly wrong. I think opinions have changed over the course of years. We we've like maybe have different preferences than we had back in the day, but that doesn't mean that the information we were giving at the time was bad. It just means that our opinions have changed over time. I can't think of anything blatantly wrong that we may have said in the past. Uh, Vandalist saw stop. You remember that episode when we revisited saw stop, like after oh, Matt I had sure had one and he was like, I think we've done that a couple of times where we've actually gone back and, and said, okay, I said this, you know, eight years ago. And now I'm saying yeah. this today. I know that there's times when we've directly contradicted ourselves, but you know, <laughs> that's, what's fun about it. That's what happens when there are 496 episodes of a show, <laughs> right. or in this case, 497. You're bound to say something stupid. I, I mean, I say it on every show. I say something that I listen to. I play it back for my wife, and she's like, shakes her head, and she's like, I'm not sure you should have said that. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's what I do on Wood Talk. So, But yeah, honestly, go back. Have fun with it. If you're enjoying it, please, by all means, continue to listen to all of the episodes. Uh, so Longbow. I got no experience with longbows. I thought maybe one of you might. Nope. Other than buy some, get some Osage orange. It's called bow wood for a reason. Okay. That's all I can tell That's you. That's a great tip. That's all we got, man. <laughs> yeah, I've never built one. Uh, my my I've, simple I've advice. I've never heard Shannon be more concise. <laughs> right? My <laughs> advice, Eric, would be uh, don't call this show for advice on longbows. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, so I got a question here from Logan. He says, I understand the differences in most tool price points. It's usually the higher the cost, the better quality you can get. Can you guys break down the differences between a $69 DeWalt random orbit sander, the $625 Merca random orbit sander, and the Festool random orbit sander at $425? Man, that's a huge price differential between those tools, isn't it? Yikes. <clears throat> okay. Yes, uh, Mark. First of all, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the affirmation. <laughs> Have either of you used a uh, Merca sander? Yes. What'd you for think? Like yes. 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 That's so I only have Festool experience like on that yellow, premium right? tier. I've never had my hand on a Merca. So I can't even speak to why you would pay even a couple hundred more. Typically I'm answering the question like, why should I pay for the Festool? 
to go even a couple hundred more than that for the Merca. I don't know what that difference is. So if you guys do, please chime in. The Merca is um, uh, air powered, isn't it? Well, they have them, but I you can not get air in the, or yeah. I mean, this. Power. I'm assuming he's talking about the corded electric version. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, once only, you get up to that top tier, was a Chuck I'd Bender have to shot. imagine that the differences between them have got to be pretty darn thin at that point. I used the Merca at uh, Crimson. That was a what, like two years ago already, almost. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is Sam my guitar. Yeah. It is. It is fast. Like is it? Like it's more efficiently fa- it's faster than my fest tool like to like get through the grits or whatever you want to call that kind of thing like when i went from your basic random over sander to the festival like i didn't realize how much time i was wasting using yeah. the cheaper random over sander but then you go i went to the merca i'm like this is even faster than the festival like it you can get i think it has a higher rpm and it can chew through wood faster but it's not leaving a visible scratch pattern like you would expect from like mm-hmm. a geared uh, mode sander. Yeah. The one thing that drove me absolutely bananas with it is the switches on the top. And I'm okay. so used to not being, not having to worry about that. So I would flip the thing over to change the paper and this thing would turn on. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, whoops. I'm like, okay, this is super annoying. So that, that was the one like annoyance with it, but I've been meaning to like just buy one just to have one and kind of compare it in my own shop. Uh, but I think that that switch thing would just drive you bananas. Well, now you got me curious though, because like it, it, like the paper could make a difference too. So how sure are you that it wasn't simply maybe a better quality paper? It was the cheapest paper they could buy. Oh, really? It's really, it's Ben. Yeah. (laughs) Man. Now you got me wanting to buy this. Basic, (laughs) basic sandpaper, but it was just flying. See, now that you're telling me it's more efficient, I'm just I'm just curious. And I see what you mean. That paddle switch on the top looks like a problem. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> but <laughs> having used still... it for about like, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes. Do you have to do you have to keep holding it down or does it have an on lock position? You know, I don't remember. That's a good question. Because that's the, goofy. What what your hand is there, one. so the hand's kind of locking it. I know the air powered one you did press on it, but it was, it was light enough that it wasn't, you know, it didn't feel like you were pressing I on believe, it. Just, I believe it. You had, does not have an on full on because it's like a trigger sensitive thing. So it's like how much pressure you put on the faster it spins kind of thing. Really? I believe I see. This is like that last thing we just mentioned. Like we say things that are probably wrong right now is we're just guessing. sample <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going back 11 years. <laughs> 11? I don't even know how far, how long ago, but yeah, I used it at Chuck Bender's shop and it was an air powered Merca Ceros, I think is how the EROS or something like that. Okay. And I feel like it was uh-huh. brand spanking new then. But yeah, I'm never... pretty sure the harder you push, the faster it goes. Well, I know there's a variable speed. I'm um, looking at the picture. Yeah, there's <laughs> a variable there's speed. A, that's the word for it. Yeah, but it's got like a plus minus button on it. Yeah, so I got it, nothing. So I don't know, like, does it like rev up to the top speed you have said? I don't, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, clearly we are speculating wildly. I love it. <laughs> I got, now you got me curious though, because I'm, I'm like, when you talk about sanding efficiency, that speaks to me and I'm just like, right. okay, I'm getting, I get questions like this all the time and I don't have an answer because I haven't tried the yellow one. I got the green one. Um, but let me answer Logan's question here. Um, cause that's really <laughs> why we're, that talking we're here about for this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I think generally when you're looking at the differences, I really truly think you're going to have a harder time finding a good list of differences between the Festool and the Merca. You're at a level that's already beyond what most people are willing to spend money on. So it's it's basically you're talking about, you know, your Lee Nielsen versus Veritas, right? These are good tools, no matter which one you get. Um, when you look at the DeWalt, you could start to break these things down. Of course, dust collection, uh, sanding quality, vibration, which equates to long-term comfort. These are all things that you're going to find improvements on when you jump from that DeWalt up to that higher level uh, top tier like that. Um, but one other thing I thought was kind of interesting was to look at um, warranty. Okay, so of course, build quality will come into play, but it's really the warranty and what they are willing to fix for you um, that I think separates some of these. The Festool has a three-year comprehensive warranty that includes wear and tear, which is interesting because the Merca has what they call a two plus one. So it's two-year warranty. If you register, you get an extra year, but there's no wear and tear in that warranty. And then DeWalt is also three-year, no wear and tear. So that is something to think about. If you're um, you know, going to beat this thing up, the Festool warranty sounds like it's actually, even though it's a cheaper tool, is giving you the better long-term deal, potentially, uh, if, you, if you think you might have to take advantage of that warranty at some point in the future. So uh, that's really all I got for the differences. But I do think build quality, vibration, uh, sanding quality, and dust collection are things you're going to find are more effective and better on those better sanders. Is it worth jumping from 70 bucks to 425 bucks or $600? Well, that's, that's for you to decide. I can't make that decision for you. Um, but some people certainly think so. I think most people who say they hate sanding are using the like $69 sanders. The ones where your hand itches after you've used it. Yeah. And the other for 20 minutes, because it has like a <laughs> tiny stroke to it too. It takes forever to get through your, like initial grits anyway. Yeah. So you're spending it's, more time doing it too. So you're like your hands shaking to death for like four times as long as it should be. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. I always I thought it had to do hands. with the sandpaper more than anything else. I guess I'm wrong. Just about the Clearly. ability to clear the dust, you know, sandpaper when it clogs is completely ineffective. So I don't know. I guess I've, I bought the Festool line of expensive sandpaper. They got yeah. me. <laughs> they gotcha. <laughs> mission accomplished hmm. okay uh you all done there mark should i move on i am done there shannon okay great this is also <laughs> from somebody named mark with a k he says i want to i recently won a stack of hardwood at an auction and i need advice from experts <laughs> sorry Whoa. on how to determine what each board i think he is. meant shop talk live that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wrong show, guy. <laughs> Off to a bad start so far. Um, the description at auction mentioned cherry, maple, mahogany, sapili, and assortment of other hardwoods. I have worked with cherry and maple, so I would recognize those boards, but the mahogany, sapili, and others is another story. Any help? So, uh, yes, Mark, there, there are certainly, there are plenty of books out there to identify woods, but there's also uh, a lot of resources online. Uh, Wood Database is one that I use all the time, wood-database.com. The important thing is, is kind of having a, um, uh, a method to follow, you know, and, and the easiest one is look at it. Like what color is it? Is it a reddish wood? Is it a brownish wood? Is it a white wood? <laughs> and you can it. get very quickly there. I mean, just look at it. It sounds, it sounds obvious, right? But you know, <laughs> what does it look like? You know, is it red? Okay. Then start with a lot of the reddish woods and, and a lot of, and this is actually where 
a book I find can be a little bit more beneficial than something like online. Cause with the book, you can actually quickly flip through it. And a lot of the books are organized taxonomically by, um, by botanicals, by the, the whole Latin name at the beginning. So the Melissae family and the Suetina family are genius G genera genre are all lumped together. The similar species are lumped together. So it's a, if it's a reddish wood and you start flipping through the book, you get to kind of all the redwoods together. There's a book called the wood Bible <clears throat> that comes to mind that that's a pretty good one for this. So right away, you're kind of, you've just eliminated the, you know, 900 other species and you're kind of in the ballpark because you're now onto the reddish woods. The real key when it comes to identifying a lot of this is the face grain can be somewhat telling, um, but you really tend to get lost. You need to go to the end grain. And you need to get a good, clean sample of the end grain, preferably like grab a block plane, a sharp block plane, and get a, a good look at that end grain. Um, and it comes down to how the pores are organized, the shape and size of the pores. Are they lumped? Are they doubles? Are they triples? Are they single pores? And all of these books and the websites will have uh, 10 times magnified pictures of end grain. And that, that really is quite distinctive. You know, while the face and the character of the face can change quite a bit from one tree to another, from how it's cut, you know, is it is it mostly rift? Is it all rift? Is it kind of flat on a bias? You know, that can change a lot. The ingrain, that's the structure. Them's the bones of the tree. And the organization of the pores, assuming it's a hardwood, the organization of those pores, the size of those pores is going to be pretty consistent across the species. So if you really want to know, and, you know, a lot of times you can start to narrow it down quickly and you're like, okay, it's a mahogany-ish wood. Do I need to know more than that? No, I'm good. Do I need to know if it's, you know, Northern Brazilian mahogany, Guatemalan mahogany, you know, Honduran mahogany? I doubt that. It really doesn't exist. New anymore. Jersey mahogany? New Jersey mahogany, yeah. Mahogany. You know, once you get down to that point, now you're pulling out a <laughs> ruler and you're measuring the, the diameter of the pores and you're looking at the grouping um, like the, the doubles and triples of the pores, that's really when you get into the weeds. Most of the time you can come up with an, an identification um, just from the naked eye, you know, looking at the ingrain that you've planed and looking at the 10 times examples that you've seen, and you can get really, really close there. So my recommendation is probably pick up the Wood Bible. Um, that's a great one. Mark will give you an affiliate link to Amazon, I'm sure, in seconds. Oh, I got one ready. <laughs> ready to go. He's got an app for that. So Ooh, I'm um, ready. That That's a really good place to start. <laughs> and then the one thing I will say, if you do post somewhere, like you go to Facebook, and can anybody identify this, this wood? Because everybody does it. Post a picture of the ingrain and make it in focus, please. <laughs> please. I can't tell you the number of out of focus pictures of wood that I get in my inbox every single day. <laughs> All right. Okay. Dang it, Matt. There's a Merca Sander in my cart on Amazon right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm blaming you. Oh, yeah. I, I got to do a little research Logan. here. I think that's, I want to know what I'm getting into with this thing. I uh, think hey, you, you, know, you buy it and then you'll find out. Right. I guess so. I mean, do they have like different, uh, different strokes? like on the festival, like five millimeter or is it all strokes? For don't, even, don't even bother asking me. <laughs> well, no, you're just going to get me in trouble and have me buy other things that I don't need. Oh, buy, buy all the different variations so we can know, do, do a showdown. Of all say, the this, is, this is content. Options. screaming content, Mark. Come on. Yeah. Should I get the pneumatic one as well? You got a yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got a little not? baby one that would be like, no, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. 
Well, start with start with money. what are the YouTube comments going to be and reverse engineer the content from there. You know, if oh, you don't nice. have the pneumatic, people are going to be like, well, you didn't try the pneumatic one. So there you go. Okay. Sounds good. Um, who's next? What are um, we? I've, I lost are track. Are you done with your Sander situation? <sighs> I'm just upset. It's $600. I'm yeah. taking that. I'm taking that out of your Patreon money. Mine? Yeah. <laughs> I'll read all the names. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the name guy. <laughs> I did the names. You know what I thought of? I'm going to make you log in and get those names. I'm the one who puts them in the show notes. You need, you got a job to do. Oh, you have to show them how to do it. Yeah, I will. I need okay. some training. I'm pretty okay. helpless. <laughs> uh, all right. Sorry. Continue with the show. Okay. Oh. This is from Pat. Uh, I currently have a inch and a half thick maple butcher block bench top that needs to be replaced. I'm going to make a new top at least two and a half inches or maybe three inches thick. I have a lot of various hardwood leftovers in the shop. Maple, cherry, walnut, hickory, red oak. Do you foresee any issues making a bench out of these scraps from all these different hardwoods? I'm primarily a power tool user. Very little hands will use. Other than it might look like a cutting board. No. I don't really see any issue. <laughs> Say that like it's a bad thing. I mean, it's 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 totally subjective. Yeah, that's all. Like, I mean, that that that's it. I guess you know, like, no technical issue with this. <laughs> it'll look like a. It'll be like a quilt. It'll look, yeah, it looks like a wood quilt. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm glad you picked a really good question there, Matt. <laughs> okay. Well. Something that you could bring a, a lot of value to the show with. Hey, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I'm sure Pat's happy that at, at least I got to this question. Sure, yeah. Pat's like, he said, all right, if you like that, go for it. It's like, well, you know what? His mom could have given him that answer. <laughs> Dang it, Mark. <laughs> Maybe that's the next, the next evolution of the show. Matt's mom. Our new co-host. And, and we'll just call her Matt's mom. Yeah. That way we keep a Matt theme going there. Be a really good segment. Actually, I think all of our moms could add some serious value to the show. <laughs> good Lord. Get real estate updates from your mom. That'd be yeah. great. My mom will tell you uh, why she likes garlic so much. That's awesome. Uh, it's delicious. Um, okay. So uh, the next one here is another Mark with a K. Uh, he says, Hey, Mark, Matt and Shannon. I have an 18 by 20 basement workshop, which holds my treasured collection of tools, including a Delta Unisaw with a 52 inch fence system. This package takes up a lot of real estate in my shop area. I was thinking of cutting down the table saw size to 32 inch. And uh, can you see a downside to shortening the table to 32 inches? Thanks to you guys and Rockler. I'm going to give a Matt answer. That's fine. Perfect. Because it <laughs> is. Floats your Go, boat, man. <laughs> Yeah, whatever you want. All right. So I actually think this, if, if, you know, especially if you haven't found that you needed all 52 inches of a full size system like that, maybe you have a track saw and you're doing a lot of um, plywood breakdown uh, some other way. By the time it gets to the table saw, you don't need that uh, extreme amount of capacity. Dude, go for it. I mean, it's, it's a big thing to do, especially if you're cutting down uh, the rail to do it. But I did that in the past and I never regretted it. It was something that I just found that I never used that extra capacity. 
So it just takes up more of a footprint. If you really decided that you don't need it and you have other ways to break big things down like that, and that space really would be useful to you, I would say absolutely go for it. I mean, um, if his shop was as tight as it, he says it is, I don't foresee him trying to manage a whole sheet of plywood on a table saw. Yeah, that's true. Probably not likely he's going to be able to do that. So, uh, yeah, man, cut it down. I mean, I hate to see someone do something that can't be undone it in that be sense. Undone. What are you talking about? Just go buy another piece <clears throat> of tube. Done. Not undone easily. Oh, I guess. Without making another purchase. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty, you know, it's a big commitment that you're making there at that point. Once you It's just steel tube. Look, woodworkers you can, you are know what? afraid you of can metal. You can go the other way. If you want a longer fence, just go buy a 20-foot stick of tube and make a longer fence rail. Done. I hate you. No one has said that yet. No one's <laughs> like, you know what? I wish I had a seven-foot fence. No. I hate you. You can literally do that. <laughs> this is what we get for doing a show at night <laughs> like can i can i tell you what my wife just did trying to be nice right i i haven't eaten dinner yet and it's uh, like quarter after seven we have young kids so we eat early and uh they got they got fried chicken she brings in a plate with fried chicken potatoes corn a little biscuit on it and she puts it right next to me what oh, am i nice. supposed to do with a plate of food while I'm recording, that was just a, a torturous thing for her to do. Just hey, throw, you, throw the question to Shannon, an hit your mute, mute button. button. <laughs> Done. I, there's no way I can't even talk without burping through the show. And I'm just <laughs> drinking water. If I was actually eating, this would be awful. And I know she meant well, and I love her, but that was a torture move. Well, the made. next, the next question is a voicemail you got to play and then I'll answer it and I'll do my best, my best Shannon answer. <laughs> You know, no, man, look, how long food, do you need to eat a piece of chicken? I'll make food it is an all or none prospect for me. Like, I don't want just the taste. I got to go through the full experience and finish everything on the plate before I move on. So I'm just not touching uh, it until there's before time I, before I move on with the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing like a Tasmanian devil type thing. There's just flying <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Just going after it. Anyway, Coleslaw all that to say, yeah, go for the 32 inch system. And Shannon, you want your voicemail now? Yes, please. Okay. Hello, Matt, Shannon, and Mark. Uh, big fan of the show. Thanks for everything you guys do. Uh, so I had a quick question. Uh, my dad recently bought a cabin and wanted me to build some beds for him. And he wanted to use live edge logs for the posts, for the, the, head, the headboard and the, the footboard, um, which just over the weekend, we cut a couple maple trees down, ranging from four to six inch diameter. He wants me to build these beds within a couple months, um, knowing that we're going to see some checks and some cracks uh, because the wood is so wet and isn't going to have nearly enough time to dry. We want to have these done probably by mid springtime, you know, early summer so that the beds can be used in this cabin this this summer. Uh, He just wants to build two of them. But I was just wondering if you guys had any recommendations for wood being this wet if there's anything we really should look out for or if we should just abandon this idea altogether thanks so much guys okay christian um first of all live edge log is that redundant that's redundant (laughs) yeah (laughs) live edge log i did like he said that i was like what does he mean by that i was like oh wait a log okay it's got bark on it yeah i think i think by its very nature a log is live edge um so yeah, uh, lots of different ways to go about this. Um, 
First of all, um, I just so happened to have done a live stream on the Renaissance Woodworker recently entitled Working with Wet Wood um, that I would advise you to go check out because it's not nearly as like dangerous as people think. You know, people are so worried about working with wood that's not kiln dried down to, you know, 4% or 6%. It's okay. It's okay um, to do this. And there's a whole construction style log furniture that's done using this. Um, so there, there's a couple things. If you're looking to build some beds, you might actually be looking for some plans. And there are quite a few books out there. In fact, I know Rockler carries a whole bunch of log building. If you go to Rockler and just search log building, um, first of all, they've got some cool tenon cutter sets, but they also can get real expensive real fast. So be, be, be very careful there. But they also have several books on building furniture, beds, chairs, things like that, using these, these logs. So in those, there's quite a bit of information about how do we handle, you know, this drying, this shrinking, this checking. You understand there's already going to be checking. So that's a good thing. You're, you're ahead of most people. There's a lot of people like, I don't understand why it's cracking and falling apart. You recognize that's going to that's gonna happen. One thing you can do is if you know it's going to check, you can actually create a check. Um, I've seen some guys who just take the chainsaw and run it down the length. You know, that can be a little bit dangerous if you're not real good holding a chainsaw or using a chainsaw at the tip. But you actually are creating a kerf that's going to relieve some of that tension. Um, so instead of it checking unpredictably, it just kind of it doesn't check. It, it, it expands around that kerf that you've cut into it. There are other methods where you actually are cutting your joinery. So you're, you're cutting that kerf line and then you're lining your joinery up with that. So say you've got a tenon going in for like the, the, the footboard of the bed. Well, that tenon or excuse me, that mortise goes right where you'd already put that check that's going to cause, um, that's going to control that particular checking. The other thing is, yeah, the wood's going to be sopping wet. Uh, when a tree is first felled, it can be 85, 95% water. So one of the things that um, I, you don't actually hear a lot of people talking about, stand that sucker up and gravity drain it. Gravity dry it is what it's called. A lot of the mills that, that I work with in um, South America, uh, when the trees are first filled, felled, rather, they are cut into boards very, very quickly. Like there's usually like a, a portable sawmill out in the bush that tree's been felled, it's, it's dragged, you know, right to the sawmill and it's cut into boards. So those boards are incredibly wet. What they do is then cart those boards back to a camp, usually somewhere still close by, and they stand them up on these like A-frame designs. So the water drains right out the bottom under gravity because in the tree, there is free water and there's bound water. Um, you know, the pores and things are filled with water. That's the free water that just falls right out the bottom under the influence of gravity. If you stand a board or stand a log up against a wall, like in, you know, on concrete floor or whatever, come back a day later, there will be a puddle of water underneath that log. You mop up that water, put the log there, come back a day later, and there may be another puddle. You keep repeating that until there's no puddle underneath it, and all the free water has drained out of that. You've dropped your moisture content now, in some instances, vary from species to species, but a lot of times it's down to 40% at that point. I've seen some, some of the larger poured woods, it'll actually drop down into the 30% moisture content. So dramatic loss of water in a couple of days because it's the free water. The bound water is the stuff that's inside the cell walls. That's the stuff that takes longer to dry. But once you've gotten it down to that lower level, um, you find that it actually becomes quite a bit easier to work with. The next thing you want to do <clears throat> is start cutting those logs into 
parts, approximate part sizes. So if you're building a bed and you've got an eight foot log, unless you're building like a four poster bed, you don't need an eight foot log. So you want to start bucking those or cross cutting that log into these various parts. If you're keeping them round, obviously we're not, we're not talking about 32 inch diameter type trees. They're going to be smaller trees, you know, that are already the size of the post that you need. So if it's a 32 inch post for your footboard or your headboard, cut it down to like 34 inches. That's going to expose more ingrain. It's going to allow that tree to dry a little bit more. It's also going to allow the check to be more in control. If you've got a longer section of wood, you can't quite tell that check is going to go awry up the log. If it's a shorter section, it's kind of like it's preventing the run out. So you've got, again, more control over that check just by breaking things down closer to part size. Um, the next thing is you do want to get that bark off. Um, I don't know if when your dad said he wants it live edge, he wants to keep that bark on. That's generally not a good idea. That's where the bugs are. That's where all the sugar that's going to attract the bugs is as well. Um, it's not the same as like a live edge slab where you want to keep that little bit of bark on. You can stabilize it with epoxy and things like that. That bark is, is essentially waterproofing that log. That's what makes a tree waterproof is that outer bark layer and cambium layer. If you leave that there, it's going to make it very difficult for that tree to dry at all, that, that bit of log to dry. So again, by removing that bark and, and that outer cambium layer, you're going to dump a lot of moisture there as well, as well as all the sugars and all the things that you have to worry about bugs feasting on that could come into this nice new cabin that your dad has. Because it's the other thing you don't want is those beds to fall apart in a couple of years because they're, you know, eaten. Um, so you're going to want you know, a large draw knife or bark spot or whatever to clean that, that bark off right away. Now you've gravity drained it. You've bucked it down to size. You've removed the bark. You're probably looking at a piece of wood. That's going to be in the low 30% moisture content. And as long as you are building with wood movement in mind, it's not an issue. Um, if it's going to be allowed to expand and contract and you think about a bed frame there's very little cross grain situation with a log frame because all of your joinery at this point is round joinery. Your mortises are holes that are drilled and your tenons are, you know, cylinders that have been cut with a tenon cutter or cut down with a draw knife or something like that. And that um, the only other thing you could do would be to like supernaturally dry supernaturally. Is that a word? Is that what I'm looking for? Really sure. extra dry your tenons. You know, some people will, will um, uh, heat the tenon pieces or like stick them in a, in a light bulb box or something like that. So it essentially dries out the tenon and causes that tenon to shrink. You take that ultra dry tenon, stick it into a mortise in a, in a wet wood, in a, in a wetter log. The moisture from that mortise is going to wick up into the tenon, causing the tenon to expand. Like at the same time, the mortise is going to shrink and it's got to lock it in place forever. And this is, this is a good thing. This is, this is a, a, a method that's been used in winter chair making and post and rung chair making for centuries to allow chairs from, keep them from falling apart. That moisture differential is essential for that style of construction. So in that instance, we're very happy. We don't want that wood to be super, super dry. Uh, we want it to have a little bit of moisture. And as you work it, it's going to dry while you're working it. As long as you're not freezing a piece in place or putting it in a situation where you've got that terrible cross grain, you should be just fine. So, yeah. How's that, Mark? Are you done with your chicken yet? Uh, no, the good news is I now know everything I need to know about a Mercadero sander. 
All right. I, I was I trying. Fully I was, researched. Yeah. I was in my mind. I was thinking, okay, that's that's a half a turkey le- or half a chicken so, leg. And okay, there's does some it have potatoes. an on button or not? <laughs> yeah, I still don't know. Because um, <laughs> that paddle switch, you? that paddle switch is a variable speed, like you were saying. But there's also the plus and minus that adjust the speed. So I don't know. Do you have to have it your hand on? Uh, let's not talk about that, uh, Matt. What's what's your next question? Make sure you it. put an affiliate it. link for the sander in the show thing. Oh, you know I'm going right. to. I've got one ready right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. It's uh, from Terry. Uh, my neighbor is going to take out a very old apple tree that is over 40 feet tall and has offered me some of the logs. These would be six to eight feet long and eight to 12 inches thick. Would my 14 inch bandsaw work for this? And does it seem worth it? The bandsaw is a Rikon 14 inch with a 13 inch resaw capacity. Sounds like the exact saw that I have. I have a video about this and we'll leave you a link to that. It's all about cutting small logs and what you can expect to actually get out of them. Uh, as far as like workable material goes and in the uh, towards the end of the video, because I did cut those little tiny logs on my bandsaw mill, I covered a little bit on cutting like smaller logs on your indoor bandsaw. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to kind of jig things up to make your initial cuts. What you're trying to do is just create like a uh, well, like a like a squared off section, so two square faces or two flat faces that are square to each other. Then you can slice up in the boards. So there's a couple of like jigs you can make to actually make those cuts because you have to stabilize that log to run over your table. You can, if you want to go super crazy, you can make like a whole carriage system to put that thing through. Um, what I do because, you know, I don't really care, I guess. <laughs> I just squirt the log on the jointer because that's what the jointer does. And then they'll give you your two square faces to then just go ahead to the bandsaw and start uh, sawing that bad boy up into boards. So it's very doable. Um, and I think that little post will give you an idea of like what kind of actual boards you'll get out of a log that big. They're not going to be very big boards. Just so you know. Okay. Nice. And that saw is not going to bog down on something like that. How powerful is that thing? Depends what kind of blade you got on it, right? That's true. Don't ask me. I don't know anything about bandsaw <laughs> blades. <clears throat> My reputation with bandsaw blades isn't so good. Yeah. So you want to, on the bandsaw blade kind of side of things, you definitely want as aggressive or as coarse of a tooth count as you can get. You want nice big gullets. This wood is going to be very wet. So the other thing that you will have to kind of contend with is don't leave the sawdust on oh, your cast yeah. iron bandsaw table. Good point. You will come <laughs> back and it will be rusted because yeah. there's so much moisture in that. And you'll see the big difference between sawing stuff that's been dried and sawing logs. The sawdust is totally different. It's not as dusty, but it is super wet. There's water everywhere. Mm. Um, and the other thing to consider too is you may have to clean your blade depending on the, again, the kind of blade you're using and how wet and how pitchy this uh, log is. Pitchy right. dog. And if it doesn't work out, uh, send me some. I'll, I love using Apple in the smoker. Okay, that's where you're going with that. Yeah, like, man. We talk about you, you ain't going to be cutting up no wood. Well, no. <laughs> I, I find my wood pre-cut. What are you talking about? <laughs> Who does that? Jeez. Me? All right. You know, it, that, that's the other thing I'll throw back to Christian, what Matt said. Make sure you're cleaning those tools off when you're done. Oh, boy. Come back oh, the yeah. next day and they, are, they have a lovely patina. <laughs> I can imagine that's something that would get me in big trouble here because everything's so dry. I normally don't have to do anything more than like every six months, like a light coat of wax on my cast iron. Uh, if I cut something that was wet and didn't tend to the sawdust, 
I'd be in big trouble because I'd yeah. find out how little protection there is. On know, I only made that mistake one time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cutting a, a bull blank. Right. Like 10 years ago. I left the offcut of the bowl blank on the table overnight. Yeah. 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 Oh, you yeah. have a nice memory. You have a, a nice outline on your it's table still. It is a nice outline. I did, it did clean up a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah. Which is nice, but there is, you could clearly see this discoloration in the cast iron where I had to actually like <laughs> remove the rust. Yeah. It was, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 totally... I, had a, I had a glass ring on my bandsaw when I sold it. I had a nice mug. <laughs> My, my, and I cleaned it up, but that the shadow was still there. And the guy who bought yeah. the band, so I was like, oh, I did that once. Thank you. We all have. It's a, it's a, a circle gauge. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Get a whole bunch of different sizes. <laughs> reference them. That's pretty good. That's a feature. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for us. Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler. Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember, head on over to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a portable drill guide with a vice. Yay, vice. Yeah, and remember, <laughs> Rockler with a vice. And remember, if you have questions, head on over to woodtalkshow.com. That was my best Mark impression. Yeah. Uh, go to woodtalkshow.com. There's a place you can submit questions there. You can find us on Instagram. We're also at woodtalkshow. Uh, or you can record a voice memo or send us an email or send the voice memo to via email uh, to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. And of course, the three of us have our own like things going on out there apparently some of us have worked harder than others to build it so you can go find uh, at Matt Cremona at Wood Whisperer and at Renaissance Woodworker on Instagram and all Who's the other who? socials hmm. I was just flashing back to the last show where Matt, Matt Matt got a little you know well you know I worked hard I worked hard to get here worked hard to build this <laughs> reputation uh, he didn't work too hard on this episode I can tell you that much <laughs> I mean have I ever he's tired <laughs> It's kind of his thing. That's my thing, right? Yeah, I mean, he works hard and he's got three kids. Uh, it's a it's a busy life. All right. I'm, well, I, I won't disagree. Yep. I guess that's a show. We agree okay. on something. Yeah. Thanks what for listening, everybody. It? I'm going to go eat dinner. Mmm, chicken. I'm going to go eat some dinners, too. Dinners, too? It's, are you seriously? I didn't like eat 9.30? Yet. I didn't eat. No. Well, it's uh, 8.30 here, but yes, I'm going to go get my 9:30. dinner. 9.30. Here. All right, let's let's stop the show. Get- <laughs> <laughs>